0: Ryan Collingwood. Ryan Collingwood. Ryan Collingwood. Our friend Ryan Collingwood. about really nice Ryan Collingwood. Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. I'm rocking my pants, putting summers
1: in fear. Making the tears rain down like a monsoon. Listen to the bass. All right, we're here at Beach House in Hayden, where Mr. Craig Elo has a place. You might know him from his days in the NBA. Played quite a bit. Brownstrap from the Cavs and his career in the Seattle Sonics. Started at Washington State in college, did some broadcasting, still does do broadcasting for the Cougars now. He's basically an in the Northwest uh, resident and native at this point, even though he's from Lubbock, Texas. <laughs> he's a pride of Lubbock, Texas, and went to Odessa Junior College, a team I covered, coincidentally, in my, my Texas stint in journalism, so I had his jersey hanging in the Hall of Fame at <laughs> Odessa College, but uh, how has life been, you know, these, these past few years? I know you're you know, pretty pretty involved still but you're also kind of you're retired and you're living the, the North Idaho life out here on beautiful Hayden Lake so how how things been going for you Oh
0: I couldn't uh, complain and if I did I don't think anybody would listen but you can't complain about living on Hayden Lake out here uh, my wife uh uh family actually uh had a cabin out here from like 75 to to the 90s so uh we found a lake place uh on the north side and uh yeah it's just been incredible uh living out here and living in the uh northwest especially with the pandemic and everything idaho's a little more open than washington Mm -hmm. i mean we still go over to spokane because that's where all her her family is and stuff but uh yeah it's just an incredible to be 60 years old and living on a lake and uh had my first grandson in uh, March of uh, last year, so he's one year old. So we're watching uh, him grow up, and uh, but yeah, it's been incredible living in uh, uh, the Pacific Northwest basically since 1999. Yeah. I mean, you go to Hayden Lake Country Club. Are you still shooting jumpers? You're you still thin <laughs> and in shape. So what are you doing to, to stay active? I uh, picked up the game of pickleball. Uh, which me and my wife can, uh, you know, team up and and play in leagues around here. Uh, most of uh, my uh, cardio is just walking. I have two uh, labradoodles that uh, demand me to take them on walks. So, uh, got a great trail system that uh, we go on. So. I've kind of given up the uh I think the last time I actually picked up a basketball on, on the court was uh one of those Sunday night games at uh, John Stockton's warehouse and I just couldn't move anymore. I couldn't do the lateral. I could I was getting pushed around uh you know by these guys but uh I can still shoot. I can still do, like, stand still, just uh, get in the gym and kind of uh, shoot. But kind of gave it up about five years ago, probably, uh, trying to, you know, play with the younger pups. Who's going to win the NBA final this year? <laughs> this is great. Um, I, I've i barely watched the season. Uh, kind of got uh, bad taste from the bubble uh, yeah. thing. And, uh yeah. I just, um, I don't know, I think the league has definitely, uh, has some superb athletes, but, uh, you know, I I followed, when the playoffs start. I I get pretty uh, involved in watching, and I'm just a big jazz fan right now. And uh, I hate for them to go and win a championship. Uh, I think they they definitely have the parts that, you know the defense. Uh, Donovan Mitchell is uh, insane. Um, but I, 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 when we start when they started the playoffs, I had Philly from the East and Utah in the West. So I'm I'm afraid Philly might win it all though. Yeah. So
1: obviously you had a pretty long and. Pretty good NBA career. I know he and I have talked in the past about the Michael Jordan, the shot thing. <laughs> you know, it's like that's Craig Craigy living in for me for Michael Jordan, just hitting that jumper in his face. But uh, anybody who pays attention to, you, to your career, you know, you got a pretty solid career. And you got a good game that game. You, yep. you killed it that game. That fourth quarter, you were on fire. Um, what is that like, though, you know, obviously in the context of you're this guy – you go out, you're from Washington State, you went to junior college, you know, you kind of, you overachieved big time. Sure. And, uh, that kind of annoying for a while when people would be like, oh, the shot, the shot, when you're, or, or
0: at, was there a point where you kind of came in peace with it, it's all just fun? Well, I, I can definitely say six, seven years after I retired, I was still, like, because the shot was coming up almost... Yearly, uh, just because it was such an iconic shot, and the uh, NBA used it for you know pregame stuff, and uh, ESPN used it, used it. Um, and the first time uh, that I really felt like I came at peace with it was about ten years after, when I got a call from Nike. And uh, they were doing this what if campaign. I don't know if you remember or not, but they um, was they they did some iconic things from each sport kind of. And they used uh, Michael's shot. So if he missed, you know, like what if he would have missed it? Mm -hmm. And uh, so I actually had to sign a release and I got like a five thousand dollar check from them. And that was kind of when I became at peace with it, because it was I mean, we were a Really, really good team. They built uh, a team uh, with Brad Doherty, Ron Harper, Mark Price, uh, John Hot Rod Williams were all uh, rookies, and they hired you know Coach Wilkins. Uh, so they were building, and yeah, I, you know we were called like the team of the '90s because we won a lot of games during the season, and uh, the nucleus was uh, you know. Uh, all from the draft or our free agency so that year uh, we were the three seed and they were the, uh, Chicago was the sixth seed and you know the fourth, I don't know if you watched the fourth game but it was pretty incredible and we won in overtime to even bring it back to Cleveland and Michael missed uh, two free throws at the end of the game uh, in the fourth game that allowed us to win and so he was kind of um, in vindictive mode I guess you would say but he um, had an incredible uh, fifth game and you know it came down to that last three seconds and uh, I mean we like I said we were a team that people said would win championships and that kinda took the wind out of ourselves uh, when uh, he did that and we wind up playing them in 1999 that was in 1989 In 1992 uh... in the conference finals and um, you know he did it to us again they beat us four to uh, four games to two and they went on to the eastern uh... or to the nba uh... run of those six titles three during the first part of michael's career and then he retired and tried baseball and then three more after that but yeah they kind of dismantled us after about seven years in cleveland and coach wilkins was asked to resign and they uh... You know, it, that shot was, I don't want to say it was the culprit, but it had a lot to do with uh, the way that they uh, started or changed in Cleveland. Yeah. Was there, was there a particular moment in the NBA
1: that you kind of look back on? And, oh, thank you very much.
0: You're
1: welcome. Was, was there a particular moment in the NBA that you're most proud of or a certain game or a certain season when you kind of look back? You know, what was kind of like? You know, obviously, you were able to experience all these, you know, fun, rare things. But is there something you kind of go into your? I don't know if you have an office or anything like that. <laughs> it's kind of like your your own personal shrine. But where you're like, yeah, that was. What 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 are you the
0: most proud of? I guess from your time in the league. You know, people uh, asked me before like what it was like to get drafted, and. The draft back in uh, the day that I got or the year that I got drafted was I was on uh, some court outside uh, down at Washington State at cage camp uh, with a bunch of first graders. And one of the assistant coaches came and said, hey, Craig, you got drafted, and you know, in the third round. And I was like, oh, sure. OK, thank you. And the, oh, the, nice. way, yeah, the way they did that <laughs> then was they had rookie camp in the summer uh so there were 10 rounds so all 10 rookies came and then you had to get invited back to veterans camp which would start in october and so i went to rookie camp and got uh had a pretty good camp and uh, i got invited back to the veterans camp and was in houston for the next three years and <clears throat> i think i was always kind of in awe i mean i was like the 12th man on the roster with coach Fitch at Houston didn't play a lot uh, my first three years at all mm-hmm. got cut going into my fourth year and that was when I kind of realized like oh maybe I you know not supposed to be here and because uh, I didn't get picked up I got waived in October uh in the 86-87 season and didn't get picked up until January, and that was when the Cavs picked me up. And for the next seven years, I was in Cleveland, but the first two, again, I was kind of in awe. Like, I, why are they giving me a jersey? And then about my third year uh, in Cleveland, I, I kind of realized I, I've made it, made, and you know, I deserved uh, to have a locker and put on the uniform. Uh, We traded Ron Harper, uh, and that opened the door for me to become uh, the starter at at, uh, Cleveland. So it was probably six years in my career, or maybe six and a half or whatever you want to call it, until I realized, like, you know, okay, I deserve to put on the uniform and lace up my uh, sneakers and and be there. And it parlayed into a 14-year NBA career, so uh, a lot of, you know, good players came during that era Uh, mine was from 1983 to 1997 and you know when people asked me like you know who was the toughest guy you had to guard i mean obviously mj but you know i I played the larry birds the magic johnsons uh you know adrian dantley's uh, bernard kings uh, guys that were just uh, incredible uh, at what they did, and kind of call that the golden era of the NBA because it started get, gaining a lot of popularity during the, about the eighth or ninth year of my of my career. Uh, you know, we barely were on TV. There was like one game a week on the on Sunday, and uh, uh, it went to like now. I mean, you can get the NBA league pass and watch a game all day long every day. So. When I was in the league, it didn't happen until about, like I said, uh, eight or nine years in, into it. So, uh, the era that I played in was, was pretty amazing, though. I think. So, you know, you look back, you're this kid from Lubbock,
1: Texas. You know, you, you mentioned that you weren't quite Division One material yet out of high school. Uh, the hometown Texas Tech Raiders weren't giving you a whole lot of love on the recruiting trail. <laughs> um so you had to kind of make the, the trip down the, down the down the interstate yep down uh, down in Odessa about a two hour drive south uh great junior college program great uh, but it developed you and then you went on to Washington State so uh had a great career there uh, talk about just you know just the, going back to your college days it wasn't like you were some blue chipper <laughs> I mean you really haven't yeah. had the Kind of, like your, kind of like your NBA career, you kind of had to scratch and claw for everything there, too.
0: Didn't get uh, a lot of, even though um, in high school we had a really good team, and I was in, uh, you know, the 4A playoffs my junior and senior year, but, you know, our scores were like 36 to 33. We didn't have a shot clock. We didn't have uh, our coach uh, in high school just kind of played a slow down game, and, you know, it was... Really, fundamentally sound program. He taught me a lot. Coach Mahaka did at Monterey High School in Lubbock. Uh, so I, I had a solid high school career, but just like I said, my physicality was—I was six-six, was but I was only about 160 pounds. So uh, didn't get a lot of looks out of high school. Uh, didn't really discourage me at all because. I did get a game or a, a an opportunity to go to Odessa uh as a freshman and a sophomore uh at the junior college which I, I didn't know the league even existed. There was a t- uh, South Plains was right near my my hometown and uh they gave me a look see but no one really offered me except for Odessa. And uh when I went to Odessa the league was Western Juco was just insane. I mean, it was incredible. Howard uh, in Big Springs, uh, Midland. The Whack jacks, Yeah, right? <laughs> yep. That's what and, it's called,
1: WJCAC. Yeah, and
0: great. it was it was great because um, I got exposed to, like, D1 players. Uh, so uh, after my sophomore year, uh, I got a pretty, pretty much recruited by – five or six D1 schools, and Washington State was uh, one of those, and I grew up watching UCLA win championships in the late 60s and the 70s, and they were in the Pac-10, and Washington State was in the Pac-10, so I kind of narrowed it down to Baylor and uh, Washington State, and uh, when I chose Washington State, my mother just cried because she was like, "I won't get to see you play and that kind of stuff." So, um, but Coach Ravlin assured her that he would take care of me and uh, help me develop as not a basketball player, but also as a, as a human being or a man. And <clears throat> my senior year at Washington State, we had an incredible run of uh, in the Pac-10. We lo- uh, lost to UCLA by one game. We were 14 and four, and they were. 15-3, and three, but we got invited to the NCAA, and we uh, wound up uh, winning our first round game, or yeah, first round against Weaver State, I believe, from the Big Sky, and uh, then we had to face the number one seed in the West, which was Virginia and Ralph Sampson uh, at that <laughs> time, and we. Played them pretty evenly, but lost, and I just remember going to the locker room after that, like, what am I going to do? I've mean, played basketball my whole life, and it's always been part of my life, and uh, didn't know that I would even have a chance to uh, play at the next level or not. So uh, Coach Radling did a lot for me as far as getting me into like some uh, I guess not all-star games, but uh, just places where, like Portsmouth, Virginia, uh, where the NBA scouts could come and watch you play, and then uh, a few other ones. But uh, wound up getting drafted in the third round, and then, like I said, it just kind of took off and uh, had a, you know, its it, its own life. I just did not realize you know, what I was doing and how lucky I was to, you know, play uh, 14 seasons in the NBA. But it all started with my high school, and then, like you said, the junior college really given me the opportunity to develop uh, as a player. And uh, that uh, parlayed into the Washington State, and the rest is history. Did you even own a jacket before you moved to Pullman? <laughs> no, I didn't. As a matter of fact, I came... I lived in uh, um, the rule at, at uh, most universities are you have to live on campus your your first year so I was at Stevenson South uh, thinking probably late October or early November and long walk to class and it had snowed and uh, didn't have a jacket and my walked outside and my nose nostrils you know uh, Got frozen and I turned around and went right, right back to uh, to my dorm room because uh, it was so cold, brutally cold, and I'd never experienced that at all down in Texas. Um, it was never, you know, colder than 40 or, or, I mean, that was like freezing to us, so... No, I didn't have a jacket. And uh, so the first thing I, I told Coach uh, Raveling or asked him for was if I could get uh, some money to get a coat. And uh, he said, I can't give you money, but I can definitely give you uh, a coat. So I got my Letterman's jacket early. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so now you've kind, of, kind of gone full circle. Um, I know you got a short stint as a coach at Eastern. Um, it's SWX broadcasting, a little TV, a little TV action. But now you're doing, uh, you know, some radio for the Cougs. And they, I was looking at the Athletic uh, yesterday. And I was reading, you know, their preseason, their way-too-early predictions. And they had them at six. I mean, pretty good. I yep. mean, considering, especially when you consider how deep those teams went in the tournament last year. So, obviously, you know, it's Washington State's always kind of been that... that they kind of float in that middle of the bottom tier, but they kind of they're not getting embarrassed, like they're they a competitive product.
0: Yeah. yeah,
1: um, so what are you seeing down there? What are you seeing from Kyle Smith? And obviously, they guy guys have Noah Williams coming back, F.A. they got Kim Aiken Jr. from Eastern going to come down there and help. Good kid, yep. Um, what are you seeing? Uh, you know, just ob- obviously, you're an objective observer <laughs> with a you know, you you got your degree there, but
0: uh, tell me what you see from this from this group. It's been incredible. <clears throat> They um, offered me uh, the opportunity to to do radio uh, in Kyle's first year. And I did all the home games, uh, didn't really travel with them. Uh, Chaz, you know, did most of uh, or he's the play by play obviously for Washington state. And then last year uh, was a full season uh, with them, but the pandemic made us stay at home, and we called road games from the Bob Martin uh, suite up in in Martin Stadium. So, uh, watching the way Kyle is building this program has just been insane. His recruiting class last year, I mean, like you said, Effie was a part of that, Noah, came out of nowhere. It, I played with his dad, Guy, and Guy was a 6'9 Magic Johnson type. Uh, blew his ACL out though uh, his senior year and it just kind of slowed him down. But um, the, the way he's doing it with the recruiting and uh, the, uh, the class that's coming in, last year set records with like Washington State even being in the top 25 or 30 in, mm-hmm. in recruiting. And uh, again, another class this year uh, coming in that's uh, in the top 25 again. So uh, they got a great staff: <clears throat> Derek Phelps, uh, Coach Shaw. Uh, you know, I, I didn't see a lot of the like the analytic side that Kyle's kind of been known for with his uh, coaching and philosophy, like. Uh, but they, they've gotten players that like his system, and it, it's been incredible I mean, to watch him build this. And he has done such an incredible job of being competitive. Because those five years that Ernie Kent was there were very lean years. They were getting blown out and not competing. Uh, and then Kyle's first year, uh, he won a few games early on. We beat Oregon on uh, the clay thompson um weekend where Uh they retired his number they beat oregon who was number maybe four or five in the country on thursday night and then beat oregon state uh on saturday at clay's retirement so he put people back in the stands with their the way that they play and they are fun i mean they they play defense uh he doesn't like pull you out if you take a bad shot as long as you work your butt off on the on the defensive end, mm-hmm. and I think uh, guys really like here? that. I'm good, thank you. Hey, We're, you, good. you We're good. Thank you. <laughs> so, I think it's just been uh, in, incredible that the way he's building uh, the Washington State program, and like you said, this year you saw a uh, preseason, although, you know, pretty good friends with Coach Few, and you know they they ran the game at last year with the preseason number one in July, and they never lost it until the last game uh, against Baylor. Uh, and he's always like saying, like I don't trust those preseason polls or whatever, but they're pretty close. I mean, and so Washington State being uh, number six in, in the Pac-12 is uh, pretty insane uh, preseason pick, especially when you look how the league did. Uh, in the NCAA tournament last year. Yeah, it shows people have, like, respect
1: for them. Yeah.
0: yeah. I
1: mean, are they saying they're the best team in the league? Or whatever, but like, the fact that you can keep Washington State in a conversation a little bit, that's a big deal. Um, and Washington State, I mean, you've you got to play a certain way there. Cause obviously, Bennett cracked that code, Yep. right? Yep. And then, obviously, um, Smith is, has had the semblance of that a little bit. It's like... It's going to be kind of (laughs) shticky when you're at like schools, like, you know, when you're at these schools, like, like Mike Leach, is he he not the, is he not like the, the master of that? You got to have like this, if you're going to be at schools like Washington State, Texas Tech, Mississippi State, you got to have a certain thing going for you to cultivate this excitement, this certain weirdness. So you kind of seen that from Kyle Smith a little bit. Like he's like this math
0: (laughs) nerd (laughs) guy, like kind of. Nerd basketball. guy?
1: You got to beer with the bar, like personable guy. Some coaches are kind of like hard asses, you know, or like awkward. He seems like a guy you're like, oh, someone's dad. It is. Cool cool guy. Yeah,
0: I totally agree with that. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, Kyle is such a personal uh, kind of guy that would hang out with you. Uh, If you asked him to go golfing, he'd do it, even though he probably can't play very well. But, you know, at Washington State, like you were talking about, like you almost have to have like a gimmick. And, you know, Mike Leach had the, you know, the air raid or whatever you want to call it uh, style of football and brought a lot of fun to, uh, you know, Washington State, uh, the teams that he filled it. Uh, you talk about Tony Bennett, and they, they didn't really have a gimmick, but that pack defense, uh, you know, I think his last year when they beat Notre Dame in, in – uh, uh, the sweet to go to the Sweet 16.
1: Yeah,
0: there was probably seven minutes left, and they had a a, a four point lead. And if you really talk, know how the Bennetts used the pack uh, defense and yeah. used the shot clock. Uh, there was only like five more possessions for Notre Dame in that time, and and if you look at that, so I, I agree with you. I think at Washington State, you have to have kind of like. Something different uh, uh, to go and Kyle. It's not like I said like it, it, nerd, nerd basketball is, is kind of the thing that they uh, the analytics and and uh, they look at everything and and uh, kind of decide what lineup it, uh, goes out there. But uh, the thing that I've really came uh, across uh, doing the games is that Kyle puts five guys out there that. Are going 100 percent every second of the game, and that uh, is kind of like and crazy because the freshman year of Rodman and Noah, these guys weren't playing at all. And injured a couple of guys, all of a sudden they're stuck. They're in the in the lineup, and both of those kids, uh, their freshman year, got minutes that uh, they probably wouldn't have gotten. Uh, So. He, he utilizes the way you play defense uh, and keeps you out there, uh, and they are very competitive because they play defense first. And the nerd basketball even kind of takes away possessions like the Bennett's did uh, to the other team. So it, it's, it's been fun watching, but uh, the way they have recruited and, and the athletes that they're bringing in, yeah, they've brought in Washington State out of that lower tier in the Pac-12 uh, to now the middle of the Pac-12. And, you know, the league kind of got, uh, I don't know, blackballed, if you want to say it, uh, but they actually got some teams in and uh, Oregon State is a perfect example of what Kyle Smith could, could do at Washington State and uh, make a run like that. So the recruiting is uh, first and foremost, and they're they're bringing in the players that uh, is moving Washington State up the ladder. Did you watch much Eastern last year? I did. Uh, I, you know, being uh, like you mentioned uh, the three years at, at Eastern, uh, Shantae Leggins and I were very close. And uh, when Hayford left to go to Seattle, and Legs got the job, uh, I was rooting him because i love the guy and you know the way he had those uh he got robbed the the year before when the yep. pandemic uh or the canceled the season i think that that team was probably better than the team that he filled it last year but um yeah i mean he he was not using eastern as a stepping stone but i mean he got an offer uh mm-hmm. And he was one of the hottest, uh, you know, 35-year-old coach or our older uh, coach, and uh, now he's in at Portland. But yeah, that team was incredible. Uh, what they did, I, I watched the K- uh, Kansas game really early in the season, and then you know that little run in the in the tournament uh, had uh, people like taking notice. And that's, I mean, basically why he got the Portland job was was. The players that he had, the Groves brothers, I mean, just, uh, they, uh, you would say, if you looked at them when you came out and, uh, and they were warming up, that, yeah, it's like an intramural game probably, but uh, Legs did a really, really good job of uh, coaching out there and, and getting those players to believe.
1: Yeah, now nah, Shante's a buddy of mine. Typically,
0: when I cover teams, you got
1: to have that, like, objective um, you know, you don't want to get too close or too bad, right. but I think him and I were on the same level of like our casual demeanors, like we're covering sports, we're not covering <laughs> murder, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think we kind of had that uh, mutual understanding of what we were doing, so we kind of developed a pretty good relationship and we talk all the time still. Um, but uh, have you ever seen anything like that though? Like this transfer portal culture we're in, you know, and it's I, I see the good and the bad. Um, but it was just so weird. It was like seeing the band break up. I was talking to Kim Macon Jr. about this <laughs> in my last podcast. I was like, I mean, the band broke up. You know, I mean, obviously, like, David Riley got the head job. Dave's a good yeah. dude. And he got to keep some of the guys. And, it, and he got lucky. He got some guys from D1 schools that were good. Yeah. So they're going to be decent still. I'm not going to be terrible, I bet. And Dave's like, you know, we'll see what happens. But, like, some teams are just bare bones. But they had two guys who started basically back throughout their careers. They got like, a couple all-conference kids to other, other leagues. So I think they'll be fine. Obviously. Yeah. Um, uh, but, you know, you see the... Ba- I've never seen... It, it was like watching Odessa Junior. It was like watching the, Mac- the whackjack the, Basically, these low major Division One schools that were good were Juco's. This, uh, right? Yeah. So it was like... Uh, the big side conference last year was the Wagjack. It was like watching these guys get plucked away. Like, yeah, put in your time. Let's go big time now, you know. Um, so you, you see the Groves brothers. You know, they they go to Oklahoma, <laughs> and then Shante you know takes Bobby and TJ as coaches. Good dudes. love, yep. love, love those guys. Uh, and then they bring Jack Perry with them. They bring t- uh, Tyler Robertson with them, and they bring Mike Meadows. So it's like, okay, they were trying to get the Groveses too, but you know it didn't work <laughs> out. And then, um, but then. Uh, you see Jacob Davidson go to Cal Poly, uh, Kim Aiken supposed to go to Arizona. I mean, freaking think about think about that. You you weren't offered a damn thing out of high school, <laughs> and all of a sudden Sean Miller's on you. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: you know what I mean. Like you weren't offered a damn thing out of Shadow Park. Uh, every other high major coach calls you. You're the Groves brothers, so it's just like a, yeah, yeah. So it was like it was like JUCO on steroids. <laughs> it you, is. You know what I mean? So it was. But I've never seen anything like that. So I, I was kind of curious what you thought of that culture. Like, you know, you saw it in football a lot. You know, you see it with the, with the OGs, like the Russell Wilsons, the Vernon Adams. But then you're seeing it, the pandemic. It was like this confluence of the pandemic and the portal rule two years ago. They kind of <laughs> just like smashed into each other and created this chaos. So what, what, do, you, what do you think about all that?
0: It, it is weird. I mean, yeah. the portal has changed the landscape drastically. I mean, the ability, and you throw in COVID with that and what the NCAA uh, said. Isaac Bonton's a perfect example. I don't know what, I haven't seen what he's going to do, but. I think he went went to Mexico State. Did he? No, that was another guy.
1: I'm thinking of the guy with, I'm thinking of the kid with the U-Dub from NIC. He went to Mexico State. Okay. I'm thinking of somebody else. Another guard his size, looks like him.
0: But anyway, but last year yeah. you could play f- basically free because of COVID. Yeah, what the NCAA uh, said, so uh, yeah, all of a sudden, you know, a top D1 school, uh, you know, that uh, is looking big. The big sky is is like their uh, JUCO, like you were talking about. They could just start plucking all these guys off the team because of the eligibility that uh, COVID allowed and the portal, putting your name in the portal. And transferring without really having to set, like in my day, or even, I don't know what, what it was, up probably uh, until, like you said, two years ago when the portal, you, you had to set out a year if you transferred. Uh, and the graduate uh, guy that, you know, as long as you graduate, you could transfer and play your fifth year somewhere. And Gonzaga's utilized that uh, that role pretty well, uh, getting some, you know, fifth-year guys uh pull, but the Big Sky is like, everybody's you know, oh this kid is good you know, and it's a tough uh, conference to play in, so uh, all of a sudden, you know like you said, the band broke up and pieces were going uh, everywhere, and uh, it's sad, and and I'm glad they did keep it in family with David Riley I mean, he's been there, and he put his dues in, and uh, I, I was kind of figuring he would go with Shante pretty much anywhere you know legs was going to go, but uh, yeah he's going to put pieces together out there. Uh, he was like when I was there he was a graduate assistant, uh, so he was he knows the recruiting. He put all of our recruiting together, and so he'll he'll bring players in. But he's got to be careful because uh, Eastern is kind of like a second chance for. For guys that get overlooked at, at uh, some uh, coming out of high school or in, but um, yeah, he he's going to fill the team that uh, you know he could change the next season uh, due to the portal uh, system that the NCAA has. So uh, it'll be interesting, but I think the teams in the in the, in the Big Sky and especially Eastern, uh, they're going to have to you know walk pretty softly on on water because of uh the way the system is because he'll get somebody that'll shine at eastern and then someone will say like a sean miller like you were saying you know is gonna see this guy and and the way it's uh set up now he he could easily transfer so hopefully it won't be a breeding ground or like a, a juco uh system at eastern and he can keep guys there but uh even when i was there we had guys that uh you know, didn't get uh, looked at in high school. And, you know, the opportunity to play D1, uh, you know, at the Big Sky level is not a bad thing, but it's it could be a stepping stone, you know, like I said, a second chance for some guys. I mean, Tyler Harvey was going to be a Whitworth player.
1: <laughs> I know. NBA uh, draft pick, whatever. Yeah. Northwest Could have been in the Northwest Conference. Yeah. I, I don't think people understand, like, um how close a lot of these guys are from you never knowing who the hell they were. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's like it's that that it's so razor thin. Like this decision they make. Like there's so many of these fringe guys. I mean the fringe guys are the guys who make it now. Like think about it. Like they find you now. Yeah. But like here's the thing. Steph Curry went to Davidson. Like we might not have known who the hell he was if he went, went to Virginia Tech and didn't start his first two years. Yep. You know what I mean? Uh, Damian Lillard. Okay, we might not have known who he was if he went to Cal and had and maybe didn't wasn't as confident his freshman year. It's just like it's these domino effect, you know. And Clay, you know, because Clay, it's like uh, McCollum, you know, that these guys in the league who. They were so fringe. And you were a fringe yeah. dude. So it's like... Teetering. Teetering. Yeah. Now it's like, obviously, now... When you did it, it was even way harder when you did it. Because it was like, there was no huddle.com. Like, there was <laughs> no, no, no. Website where it's like, oh, this guy's kind of long. And no, it's just like, you, had, you you were just like, it was like luck, yeah. basically. It was like a mixture of hard work, luck, and just being in the right place at the right time. And But you're seeing it now. But now it's like, when I tell people, like, yeah, Tyler Harvey, he was with Whitworth. like, what the, what? I'm like, yeah, like, the no one liked like, no one thought he was that good.
0: Yeah. Uh, a, uh, oh.
1: Tanner Groves. Uh, Idaho didn't even offer him.
0: You know he was I a mean? little point guard a couple of years ago. He did well on the uh, social media. Uh, but, uh, McBroom. Five foot five. He rye. fights tonight. Oh. He's in a boxing match that's
1: like <laughs> pay per view. He's going to make more off that pay per view match tonight than I'm going to make my whole life. He, isn't that crazy? Hold that God. is. But yeah, uh, McBroom, he was like this little guy. And shoot it, you know.
0: Nobody wanted him, yeah. But Eastern took him, and uh, yeah. I meant it parlayed into a, a social media yeah, phenom, million, billionaire, uh, yeah. social media guy, richest basketball player ever come from Eastern, yeah,
1: Make, makes more money in a Stucky, <laughs> oh. oh, man.
0: Oh, but be yeah, it, guys like that, like you said, on the fringe, mm-hmm. uh, today the opportunities, um. Of exposure is twice what it was for me. Uh, we didn't have, you know, cell phones uh, in the 80s and in the, the 90s. So, yeah, I mean, that that the years that I played uh, high school or even JUCO, uh, the NBA teams had to find these guys that would go to Pullman and, and watch these guys play. Uh, and today, you know, everything is, is like, uh, on social media. So you can get exposed in, in a lot of different, uh, uh, areas and, uh, you know, everybody publishes everything, uh, on it. So, uh, in the old days recruiting, you actually had to get out and, you know, pack your suitcase and go to places. And, uh, today it's, uh, there's so much more available to them, uh, through, like the internet and stuff
1: you mentioned you're with to the mark few uh, I don't think much needs to be said about them uh, number one in the country <laughs> uh, getting the top recruits it's they're, they're just totally switch gears but on the other side of the spectrum um, vandals you, you know it's like when you played in Pullman they were good yeah they were damn good. Coach which uh, Mac they had Mac Hobson's dad yep um, I mean, that's a glory years, man. And I was like this is before, my, obviously before my time in this world. But I still, being a North Idaho guy, you cling on to like whatever success your region had. And they were in those Verlin years. I mean, they were, I thought they were good. Even I love a, Coach Verlin. He, yeah. he did a good job. He did a good job. Even like they had that one bad year, like they had an injury and stuff. Like people need. I always thought people like their expectations got a little skewed when you know. I'm like, dude, they're winning more games than they're losing. And in Moscow, be happy and then hope hope they win the leagues every four or five years. And yeah, that, that, that's the culture of the Big Sky. There isn't like this like dominant team. Like you can argue Weber and Montana were those teams, but even they would kind of trade off, and some other random team would win it. There wasn't like some Gonzaga or UCLA of that respective league, or even a Vermont that wins it every year. But now you see them now like winning one game, two games, and obviously there's so much goes into that. People don't realize they see wins and losses. They think the coach sucks or the players suck, but it's just. Someone's got to lose every, you know, so, but what's about with Idaho? What do you think? It's, I think if Idaho can win, win again, I think they could sustain it because they have the facilities, they have the school, they have the culture of a school. Yeah. And you can sell that to kids, like, we have frats, we have dorms, we have the best parties, we have, like, this is a real college, guys, you know what I mean? So what what's it about
0: Idaho that you think is kind of holding them back? And you well, if, you, if you're a history guy... Think about the coaches that have come through Idaho. Uh, Eustace, you know, went on to bigger things and better things. Yeah, Kermit Davis, you know. uh, Did did Monson go anywhere after his um,
1: first Monson? Don
0: went to Oregon, I think, after those two good years. uh, You know, that got him. Yeah. so it, I I think it, it's sad because like you were talking about, just like the fan base getting to to you know really dig their, their hills in and and support the team, but I, I, Idaho's kind of been like a stepping stone uh, for coaches. You know they get that one good year, and then all of a sudden you know they're getting the opportunity to go somewhere. Mm-hmm uh and and do that so i think the coaching carousel could probably you know still be like that Mm -hmm. Uh, but uh if uh you know they come in and and get a coach that uh you know like you said every four or five years wins a, a big sky championship and goes to the tournament uh, it's going to be hard to keep him at, at Idaho or mm-hmm. Eastern mm-hmm. or uh, any of the big skies. Yeah, schools. even Montana. Even yeah. Travis DeCure at
1: Montana, yeah. like he's, he's had chances to leave. Oh, yeah. Um,
0: it, it, There's another one, Tinkle. Uh, yeah, Tinkle. Uh, Tinkle, before Tinkle, it was Uh, Mike Montgomery was there when I was uh, – we played him. Oh, and, and Mike Montgomery. Yeah, Mike Montgomery, and think about the play – so the big yeah, sky, been can, been you know, give guys the, their first opportunity to, to show and uh, what they can do, and usually, uh, you know, will get plucked away. So I think the, it, it won't change. I mean, that, that was even, you know, like I said, in the 80s and the 90s. I don't think that's going to change. Uh, I remember I was doing a CBI basketball game. Uh, Weber State was playing Oregon. Oh, CBI. And they were uh, we went to shoot around and Damian Lillard was on the other end shooting free throws when his team was down doing the scouting report on the other side and coach uh, what was his name? Randy Ray. Ray? R-A-H-E. Yep, yeah. yep. <clears throat> I met when we talked to him uh, afterwards, he said, you see that guy right there? He, You know, he's recovering from an ACL, and and uh, he's, he's gonna be incredible. And his senior year, he came back and, and played and I mean, became what he is, basically. I mean, he just dominated the, the big sky. Yeah. And you talk about Tyler Harvey at Eastern, you know, being the NCAA scoring champ or uh, mm-hmm. whatever, but that's what the big sky does. And uh, I root for Idaho, even though, like you said, uh, the two years I was at Washington State, Coach Monson beat us both seasons. Uh, we went uh, over there and played at the Kibby Dome, and and uh, that team was incredible. They beat Eddie, you guys. They beat us and you guys were in the 62 team. 58. Yep. Uh, sixty-two fifty-eight. Yep, sixty-two fifty-eight. There's some still questions about some of the calls that the officials uh, uh, made. That was the first year, actually, they went to the three officials. Uh, uh, So (laughs) we had a great fan base there because it's only eight miles, but they were in the very corner of the Kibbe Dome, so far away from the court. So uh, they had a great home court advantage uh, there. But uh, yeah, I met Montana uh, beat us. so uh, they, that's how they get noticed. They just come in, the Big guy comes in with teams and they win one or two games that, uh, against a Pac-10 school sure. or a Pac-12 school. Uh-huh. And that's what it's gonna take to, to put people back in the stands. But the thing that they needed the most was, like you said, their facility. Uh, that's just basketball. Yeah. And that will, that will allow coaches to recruit uh, in today's recruiting uh, battles kids are going if they're a Nike school or they're adidas school or they they have great facilities or they have a practice gym so uh, Idaho's doing that and uh, I think this facility will help the you know the next coach uh, be able to recruit and field teams that are competitive and I don't think it's ever going to stop with, you know, if he wins the Big Sky, has a couple of first-round wins in the NCAA tournament. Someone's going to come in and and pluck those coaches away. But uh, I love the three years I was in the Big Sky. I mean, we bust to a lot of places, and, you know, in today's world, that just isn't – it doesn't happen. Everybody flies and does this, but – I, I love. I loved my time out there, and and the places that we went and and enjoyed. Back to your time in Washington State. Um,
1: it's funny. Cause obviously, you know you're one of the few guys who got drafted uh, out of Washington State, and then, uh, then you got Cami Etheridge for the women's team, and who's who helped them. Earn a very, very rare NCAA birth for that program. I think the second ever um, in, in a league that's so good. Like oh. the, the Pac-12 was for women's basketball. I uh, think of the ACC in its glory days when it was like one to ten. You know, that's what Pac-12 was last year. And for Cami to get them, you know, a birth out of that league is pretty good. But Cami Etheridge, it's from Lubbock, Texas, <laughs> just like you. Went to the same high school as you, Lubbock Monterey, and you guys are the only people I think, or among the only people, to have your jerseys retired from basketball yeah. in the gym. And you mentioned you knew her family members. Uh, she was a couple of years younger than you, or, uh, but it was that kind of funny to see this, have this Lubbock connection, and. and in Pullman, obviously, you know Leach was kind of Mr. Lubick, but he didn't, he wasn't from there. Right. But Cami was somebody when you when you were a kid. I mean, that, you remember these names, so to see that familiar face doing well in a school—it means something to you. What's that like to see?
0: To go back <clears throat> to the high school thing, I remember when Coach Self uh, called me. I uh, think I was probably in my tenth or eleventh year in the NBA, and he was like. Man, we we want to do something for you. We want to, uh, and so they had the uh, my high school jersey number thirty uh, retired and and hung it up on the wall. And when you go into high schools, the little banner flags that fly, and, and and the NBA NBA does it too. I mean, like when you go into Boston, they don't put like Eastern Division banners up. They only no. put like NBA championships <laughs> yeah. up. Yeah. And so when you go into my high school gym now, you, you see the years that Cammy played, and it's just championships. Uh, so uh, they honored her by retiring her number uh, 12 at, at my high school also. So I'm on the, the left side, and Cammy's on the right side. <clears throat> and when you look at her accolades, what she did, I mean, she's got gold medals. She was, uh, you know, girls' basketball at the time or women's basketball was was not. If she played today in, in the media circus that we have, uh, her name would be a household name, common name, just because uh, of the way she played and, and uh, what she did. But, yeah, her accolades are, are incredible. And I told Pat when uh, Coach, our Mr. Chun down at uh, Washington State, I was like, that's all I could talk about was like what she did for my high school and the championships that (laughs) she won and then going on to Texas which was a you know one of the biggest women's program at the time and and for him to get her uh, to come up here to a program that barely won five or six games every year the Doherty's did you know change the culture a little bit but um, they were kind of it kind of got stagnant, and now you really rock the boat when you bring in Cammy who's all about recruiting and and uh, you know getting players uh, to come. Uh, What's the sisters down there? I can't remember. Oh, uh, uh, Legger Walker. From Austra- yeah, Australia, yeah. right? Ledger Walker. So she she goes and gets them to come in, <laughs> believe, <laughs> yeah. and believe, and, you yeah. know, it turns the season around uh, when they come in and uh, get the players that they get. Because I talked to Lisa uh, uh, Fortier at, at GU, mm-hmm. uh, and she was like, yeah, they are the real deal. And if Cami keeps doing that, then you got to take, uh, you can't take Washington State lightly anymore. And that league, like you said, uh, did Stanford, didn't Stanford win it yeah. all? So, I mean, they've got a program that's hard. Pierre ex Yeah, so, yep, yeah, see? There you go. Uh, I mean, it's just incredible, uh, you know, what you can do because women's basketball at Washington State had never like seen the light basically and and now the the doors open a little bit when uh with cammy and and she's gonna get because of what she did herself uh she's gonna fill teams that you know are gonna put people in the stands
1: yeah she has that Pretty good backyard. I think per capita, the Spokane Coeur d'Alene area for girls basketball oh, has to be like yeah. one of the best. It is it's only Division One girls. Even like her starting center was a girl from Genesis Prep. <laughs> Cammy's was yep. And like, you think about the whole the whole sisters, the twins at Stanford. Like, I mean, like, if now that she has this, I think there was this kind of when you were a really good player in Spokane you didn't go to Washington State because you're like, yeah, oh, they don't yeah. win the tournament, oh, they don't go to the tournament. Now that they're going, they've cultivated this culture, I think they can get those best players locally. Yep. And if you can get like that, AAU's best pumping into w- Wazoo, you can, I think you can get this like, you see with the GU women, they're getting Pulse Walls the best player, like Spokane, like they're getting like a pretty good, Lisa's getting pretty good girls from here. Yeah. Mixed with the girls from everywhere else, but pretty good here. And you're seeing the fans kind of like, you know, they've kind of, have a pretty good following and I think you can get that Pullman to sustain it with more local girls I mean it's kind of what I'm seeing obviously boys basketball is a little different story we don't get as many division one dudes but uh but like you know the AAU circuits here like Steve Cleese and these coaches these great AAU coaches have just produced so many girls basketball players who are, even like girls you've never heard of they go to NAIA and, like, the National Player of the Year. It's yeah. It's like, geez, like, like, that's pretty good.
0: It is. <clears throat> yeah. the, and I think that's what fans uh, are – if you have a degree from Washington State, you'll support uh, when they – you'll support them more when they start, you know, bringing the kids in from their backyard, like you said. And when you put them on the team and, and give them a scholarship – uh, then people can, you know, like when I left Lubbock to go to Odessa, nobody even cared. And today, like I said, with social media, now you can you can form when you when you have in-state school or kids on your on your roster. And I, I agree with you. There's been no better place for uh, girls basketball than uh gosh, what was it central valley what didn't they win national yeah. like
1: they won the chipper yeah i'm so, not sure if like every team that's really good played in that tournament, but they were they won the national. Nash- they were damn good i know that yeah they were damn good. They, didn't <laughs> yeah, they didn't lose yeah
0: they didn't lose. <laughs> yeah they didn't lose at all yeah yeah, so um, and then you look at g u men 's basketball and i I watched Adam Morrison in high school, and yeah he was a unbelievable you know, high school player. Sean Mallon was before him. Uh, Coach Few got uh, lucky and got those guys to, to stay in town and that put people in the stands. I mean, they can, you can connect with, with, uh, with the, the players when they're in your own backyard and yeah, I think girls and uh, women's basketball is going to change uh, drastically with what Lisa's doing at GU I'm uh, not very familiar with the Idaho, but... Uh, he does a good job. Does he? Yeah. Uh, Idaho women's basketball is typically
1: top of the big sky. Yeah. So, uh, Kurt John Newley is his name, and he brings a lot of local girls, and they're always atop the big sky. And, so. yeah, that
0: puts people in the stands. When you can recruit in your own backyard and, yeah. uh, and get people to, to stay in the area, uh, you can just associate yeah. the, as yeah. a, a fan with the team yeah. better.
1: Or if you get just too good, it doesn't matter.
0: (laughs) Look at that. I mean, look at... If you're too good,
1: you can bring guys from Mars. People will come watch. Yeah, that's true. Think about it. We were joking the other day. I I was talking to Matt Santangelo about this... At some point, we were like, "Dude, remember when like David Pendergraft started for this team and, like from uh, Brewster? Uh, yeah, you remember when like Malin started and like uh, Derek Ravio? Like uh, put those guys against uh, Jalen Suggs and this like obviously those are good Gonzaga team, yeah. different different teams. Dif, yeah,
0: but like <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just oh, like, a completely what? different universe. So I was doing GU basketball when yeah. Derek, uh, they were recruiting uh, Derek to to come and I and. The tape that we had, yeah. Q6, found on him, like, why are they bringing Little this 5'9 guy, 5'10 guy, yeah. guy in? 100 pounds. But it was, yeah, the, uh, the character, it was the way he played. Tough. Just tough. Same with the uh, uh-huh. I meant. He didn't play at the next level because he wasn't that skilled or talented. Yeah, he just was a, yeah. just a you know, sharp Sharp, yeah, you know. just and played his heart out. Mm-hmm. You know that he just laid it all out there on the on the floor. And then you get guys like Michael Harder, even B. Michaelson. That's uh, you know uh, probably going to be Coach uh, fuse top assistant this mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Uh, are guys that want to come here? Suggs, I'm it his best friend from Minnesota is coming, uh, mm-hmm. and they didn't really have to recruit him. I mean, no. it was just, I want to go to GU. Yeah. And that's what's uh, changed the scenery. I mean, that what they've done. When, so when I moved back in 99 to Spokane, the Santangelo oh, from- Oh, moved here. yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Casey, uh, Dench, Quentin Hall, Uh, I mean, just guys that just, you know, you would have never uh, thought that they could do what they did. But that was uh, the first year they went to the tournament was Monson's, uh, Dan Monson's, uh, uh, coaching the head RGU. And they did so well, they knocked. Couple people off. And oh, yeah, they're great. All of a sudden, he's got a five million dollar contract at, uh, you know, a Big Ten school. Yeah, Minnesota. So, man, you got to take that. Oh, and when he looks back, I've, I know Dan, and when he yeah. talks about it, he's like, man, I could be doing what Few he's done, yeah. uh, you know, right here. But I don't know. I, it, every guy dreams of being at, you know, the bigger school or the bigger conference and the lower conferences get hurt like that because the bigger conferences do steal guys away yeah i mean money we all got a price except for mark few
1: yeah but i think what separates him from most is that i think he really understands the uniqueness of this area you know Uh. what i mean like you know what i mean like i don't think i think people look at it like oh that's pretty no it's you can drive where you need to drive Everything's reasonably priced. Even, even like obviously prices are going up for property here, but it's not like we're still not like we're not Van Nuys, you know what I mean? We're <laughs> yeah. not, no. we're not, you know, we're not Malibu. Like, you know, it's just relative. He doesn't have to do all these. I was talking about this with somebody. Like, if you doesn't have to like when you're at Oregon, like you gotta like do like boom, 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 oh, boom, boom. You gotta, do, you know, you gotta, you gotta every do year. everything. Gonzaga, it's kind of like what Peter his drum. So why the hell would you leave that? You know what I mean? Oh, it's private. Yeah. So private funds, private funding. The government, not government checks coming. It's different. So it's like, if you're winning games more than you're losing them, you're gonna tournament every year. Even if you weren't a top ten team or a top fifteen team, like it's still a pretty good job, you know. And I think inherently we all want to be the best we can be and get to the top. But I think there are people out there who are rare. Who like figure out like no nah, like I could go to that school but like this could get totally sc- I could lose it all yeah a couple of bad years and then I'm I'm an assistant in the MAC and because t- I I took this chance and you've yep. seen great coaches disappear yep and but it seems like few is like you know I can go fishing I can <laughs> I don't I'm not I am i do not have to deal with a bunch of most of the reporters here are pretty homery I mean that's just what it is what it is they're pretty they're not they're not on his ass too hard you know so. No. You can deal with that in Spokane. I mean, um, I think he realized, you know, he, he kind of had the, the vision and the foresight, like, and then it paid off. I've, yeah. never, I've never seen it pay off like that before,
0: to where it's like, oh, well, now we're number one. Well, well, I, I stuck it out. You know, I mean? well, the, <laughs> the best teacher is yeah. like Monson. I yeah. meant for Coach Few. I meant he could have left for a UCLA or a Kentucky or a <clears throat> Oklahoma or Indiana uh-huh. when Kelvin, uh, you know, got in. <clears throat> so many times. He watched what Monson did, <clears throat> excuse me, at Minnesota. Cautionary tale. Yeah. So he, he had the best teacher in that maybe the grass isn't greener over there, but you, when you go back to his lifestyle, uh, you make a million dollars in Spokane. That's like $5 million in in Los Angeles or something. Uh-huh. He sent me a picture this Christmas of a moose on his back porch yep. where he lives in Spokane. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, right here. yeah, it's just incredible what he, you know, he, he he's had the best teacher. Uh-huh. Uh, he didn't want, because Monson co- had, comes back when they had the coaches versus cancer thing uh, all the time. He's got family here and and. Yeah, he, he's like, I could have, uh, and Mark saw what happened to him at Minnesota, yeah. and, I he mean, the done odds done were him. against him there. Yeah. I mean, he took over a program that was on probation and stuff, so. <clears throat> a lot of money, bro. The media here, like you said, uh, is not, like, going to hound him no. or, you know, just follow him. Hey, he, <coughs> excuse me, he was eating at the porch the other night. <laughs> And nobody even knew him. Yep. And I see him every once in a while. I've like, That's yeah, smart. Yeah, there he is. Yeah.
1: Um, if he's uh, Coach Calipari, it's a little different, right? <laughs> in, in Lexington, yeah. or you know, like just. Yep. The thing is, if you're from here and you've been here long enough,
0: and you realize that you've been here long enough, this is a place to be. Like- and I think Philly, uh understands that. And I, you know, I was not in neighbors with Coach Graves at uh, G.U. <clears throat> And he got a dream job at Oregon. and But I mean, he could have stayed as long as he wanted to at GU yeah. without having to feel that pressure. And the lifestyle that this area, Spokane, Coeur d'Alene, mm-hmm. Sand Point, offer you mm-hmm. uh, is incredible. Uh, you can, like you said, it, it's not gonna break your bank uh, account. Mm-hmm. And you can experience like Lakes, if you're a hunter or a fisherman, uh, you know, everything is is right in your own backyard. And um, raising a family, I think, has more value uh, here than if you were in Seattle or uh, a bigger city. Then you got to worry about more peer pressure on your kids. I raised my uh, three kids here. They all went through Spokane Public Schools and the roots and the friends that they, they have, uh, they'll always come back uh, uh, here and, and stay. And, you know, I think I tell a few of this all the time because I'm, I'm friends with Dick Al, I'm friends with Richie Fromm, I'm friends with Matt, I'm friends with Casey Calvary. All these guys come back here because it's such a wonderful place to, to live and make a home and and raise a family.